This is More Than Therapy Podcast. More Than Therapy. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today I have with me my dear friend, LPC Chris, out of Nashville, Tennessee. Though I did get a letter from her the other day that had a different address on it, but that's okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Thanks for letting me know. Yes, yes, yes. Today we're going to talk about therapists in relationships. Therapists are people too. Therapists have relationships. Therapists are married. They have girlfriends. They have boyfriends. They have, they might be heterosexual or homosexual or polysexual. They might have the the LGBTQIA. We we come in all shapes and sizes in order to help people. Should not be judged because of it. Because a lot of times we don't put our own stuff into the sessions. You know what I'm saying? We're supposed to come from a non-judgmental stance, a genuine stance, you know what I'm saying, in order to assist you and help you, you know, to get the help you need, just regardless of our backgrounds. And some of us, a lot of us, <laughs> have a lot of backgrounds. <laughs> some of us come from very tumultuous backgrounds to get to where we are today. Our stories make us who we are today. Chris and I, we share a past of, we lost siblings, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure we've all had relationships that, you know, taught us valuable lessons, but had very bad endings, you know what I'm saying? So today we're going to talk about therapists who date, or what is it, therapists are dating, who are dating? Therapists. (laughs) (laughs) Therapists after dark. There you go, there you go. And just because it's out the dark, I mean, we're going to get too raunchy, but we might go to some places that aren't um, so PG. I think therapists, you know, like I said, we're just regular people. Our job should be nine to five, but you and I both know that they're not even close to nine to five, that we still carry the weight of our sessions well into the evening and into our dream state sometimes. Um Dating. How has dating has been? How has dating been for you since you become a, a therapist? <laughs> um, let's see. First of all, let me let me just say that I am a single woman. I don't have any children, and I think there's a reason for everything. Uh, there's a reason why I don't have any children yet. Although mm-hmm. I would love to have some children, love to be married, all of that. So. Um, yeah, so dating for a therapist, uh, I think, and I'm, I'm probably not alone in this, but then I, I, I felt like I was alone in this, was that it has been difficult. Uh, it has been difficult because we are all kind of, um, have this innate therapy brain and we don't know what it was when we were kids or a little or anything like that. Some of us, 
Uh, and then later on in life, you're like, oh, I want to be a therapist or I want, you know, I want to be a social worker or something of that nature. So it kind of has been with us for a very long time. I know uh, when I was in high school, I was a grieving young person. I was 14 years old when with you, what you mentioned, I, when I lost my brother. Um, but people still came to me for advice and all this stuff. And I even had a neighbor who told me to mentor his son. And I was only two years older than his son, but I took on that role of mentoring his son so he could make better grades, stay in school and all of that stuff. Now, he, you know, he's a grown man with a family and a wife and children and stuff like that. But, um, and I think as I got older, Whenever you start dating, it's not that you start to think about how is this going to benefit me and my situation. You kind of go into situations like, oh, um, he's cute. Um, he's got a lot, you know, maybe I can help him through some stuff, <laughs> which is never good. It's never good. Or you're trying to figure out, okay, what makes him tick? What makes him the person he is or you know he has a has a lot of babies or he has a lot of different relationships that he's been in like I'm different you know so going about being single as uh in a therapeutic mindset has not been the greatest and I've just now within the past I would say two years or so just now really was like hold on that's not your problem uh, you don't have to therapize anybody in a relationship. This is not a session. This is not a project. You are actually need to think about how this affects your life and your legacy. So once I started to think about building my own legacy and I take pride in, you know, family, I take pride in my last name. Um, that's when I started thinking, you know what? I wish I had thought about that sooner. Uh, but again, you have to learn these lessons. You really have to learn these lessons when you're taken through situations. You have to learn. And I think quarantine really actually taught me a lot because you, you're able to sit in silence and think about a lot of stuff and then value life, value family, and value, value yourself. So that has really helped. That has really solidified. But Dating up until this point has been difficult. So, I did a poll on more than therapy, and um, these are some things that other therapists said about what's good about dating a therapist. Good listeners, empathetic, passionate about processing feelings, above average in emotional resilience, very interested in meeting their partner's needs, clear about expressing their needs and getting them met, which others may experience as needy, keen to asking probing questions, likely to value quality time and words of affirmation, detail-oriented, and always remember the details, maybe too many details, over-communicators, somewhat impulsive, we want to take things slow but never do, weirdly calm during intense fights, which comes off as being serial killers. 
Not fans of allowing issues remain unresolved. Happy or connecting in person instead of texting. Talkative during sex. Talkative even more about sex right after the sex. Reticent to take off their therapist hats. Affectionate, usually. Reluctant to let things go. And able to thrive in awkward situations. And oftentimes the ones that are making it awkward. And the list goes on, but that's just some of the key things that came up during the poll. You should join the Morning Therapy Podcast. I am here now. So with that being said, I mean, there's a lot of great attributes, in my opinion, to date a therapist. Unfortunately, a therapist in a relationship has such a different way of viewing the world, a different way of dealing with people that their basic skills that they use in therapy often comes out in their interactions in real life. And what is one of the most important, what is the most prominent thing that comes up when you're dating a non-therapist? Stop analyzing me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And unfortunately, because we're so trained, we actually are. But if we weren't a therapist, we would be analyzing anyway, just not to the great extent that we do subconsciously as clinicians, to be honest. As a clinician, as a therapist, I find myself attracted to broken people. People that might have something going on in their life that I have a longing to help them, to assist them, to alleviate that stressor or that problem in their life. But in hindsight and reflection, I know that's just because I have issues that I have unresolved internally that I'm trying to fix myself through them and failing in the process of doing both. And for those that I've dated, for those that I was married to, I apologize for that. Because I am broken, but I'm working on me. And I'm seeking, and I'm in therapy. And though the therapist I'm working with now is not to the greatest benefit to me, that I will have to seek out another therapist after at least we finish this module that we're working on, because he's teaching me a whole new skill base that I'm going to be using in therapy. So I'll finish the module (laughs) because I'm going to use those same skills in therapy later on. But ultimately, it's not helping me resolve my unresolved issues of years and years of for lack of better terminology, trife, pain, you know what I'm saying? From uh, my entrance into the American society, from Haiti, to my mom's mental health issues, to my dad's issues, to not being felt loved or belonging in a society that hates us. And even that with being what they consider a second-class citizen hates us even more, you know what I'm saying? That our own turn their backs on us because of our differences in culture. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot building on all of that. Our family systems, like you said earlier, losses, grief and loss. Um, and just, I don't believe I was socialized as a kid to be in relationships. I don't. I uh, that wasn't a conversation 
that I had with my parents about relationships and building in marriage. You know, you're like one day you'll get married and have your own kids. But then it's like, how do you go from a kid to married with kids? Like, how do you go through those steps? We didn't talk about that. We talked about education. We talked about independence. Um, all of those type things. And then you get to a certain age and then your parents are like having these expectations of when I get my son-in-law, when, when I have some grandkids, I want some grandkids. So it's like, well, how do we get here from education, 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 get what you need, um, being stable, and then boom, it's like, oh, everybody is beating me to grandkids. Everybody's beating me to um, a son-in-law. So that has has been a source of, I wouldn't say contention, but a lot of confusion for me. Uh, and like you said, there's certain things inside yourself that you, as a therapist, sometimes people go without being aware of it. Uh, I think I, the older I get, the more I'm aware of the, I wouldn't call it brokenness, but the, I guess everything is a puzzle piece. And you will continue to work on yourself until the day you die, hopefully, people. Right. You work on themselves. And I always call it the self-inventory. And in my podcast, hashtag Get Naked Therapist, uh, I talked about the self-inventory and what my self-inventory looks like. And I created a vision of my inventory looking like a library. And in that library, I wanted to be old and charming and antique. And when you walk on the inside of this library, I want people to feel comfortable when they walk inside. Like they can go in and get coffee or tea. They can go in and get a snack. They can have like areas to sit down and let it be peaceful and quiet. Uh, and then to vision how I organize the books that I have. Are they going to be new books or old books or middle books? Or, uh, do, will I even be organized in my library? Because a lot of times there's parts of the library that will not be organized yet because I'm not the greatest at organization. Uh, but there will be some places that's organized. So I had to really think about my self-inventory and what what it is that, um, that I'm presenting to myself and I'm presenting to others. So mine was, and again, I just found this out, maybe within the past two, two years, but really, again, during quarantine, because um, my other podcast, which is Surviving Sibling Loss, The Forgotten Mourners, and my brother falls, <laughs> Surviving Sibling Loss, Forgotten Mourners podcast, so he probably agrees with what I'm about to say. So <laughs> when you... <laughs> When you lose early, you lose a part of yourself. And any death, really close death, you lose a part of yourself. And as a 14-year-old, I lost a part of myself. This is my first best friend, um, my companion, someone you thought was going to be with you for life. And he was 18 when he passed, and I was 14. So I think when it all comes about, it's a feeling of abandonment. So it became, it became, I couldn't, even though I knew certain situations were unhealthy for me, it became like, I can't let this go. <laughs> certain things I could not let go. Job, like 
well, I let go of jobs very easily. Um, that's probably the only thing I let go. But there's like these relationships that I knew were not good for me and I just kept them. Because uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get my mind, I couldn't get my mind past them. And then the fear of, I guess, not being loved, a fear of being left, a fear of all of that stuff. So a lot of our issues, and this comes with ther- being a therapist and not being a therapist, but I had to work through it all. But definitely being um, the abandonment, having fear of it. And I'm 38 years old and I just now found it within the past two years. So that's been major for me. It's been major for me and it has increased my boundaries. It has increased my uh, ability to be able to advocate for myself because I never really did. I just kind of let the guys run it, like run the whole relationship. I just kind of let them go. Um, And that never worked for me. So now it's different. That's some advice. And different looks a lot better than it did before, right? It's healthier, right? Oh, it's, you X out so much drama. You just, and and it used to be like, oh, you don't say that. Oh, you don't express that. But why not? Because it's your life. You are not trying to please anybody. You are not trying to get a, a, a fee out of somebody or anything like that. This is actually your personal life and this is your legacy. So you're, the person that you are with, ever, if ever I get married, um, that person will affect the rest of my life. So this is major. This I have to be, again, an advocate for myself and for my, my last name, my brand, my bloodline, all of that. So that's just how I think about it now. Mm-hmm. Have you ever dated another therapist? I guess it could have its advantages, you know what I'm saying? But if you, I guess if you're both in a thinking place and an analyzing place, maybe it won't be as beneficial, you know what I'm saying? You'll see the glaring flaws in that person. And though we're supposed to come from a non-judgmental stance, that doesn't necessarily apply to our personal relationships. And then boom, you know what I'm saying? We're disrupting relationships because of, you know, especially when we look at the person as somebody that's supposed to be above that because we consider them some quite equated to what we are and what we do. But people are people, you know, I say I might be the best therapist on the planet, but the worst boyfriend, you know, I might be the best therapist on the planet, but not a great father, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you dated a therapist? I have dated a therapist. How'd it go? She um, relapsed and is no longer a therapist. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. That's really hard. I mean, yeah, we are people at the end of the day. And that's the 
you know, I've had arguments with someone who was not a therapist and the first thing they want to say or bring up is, I would have thought your communication was better because you're a therapist. You're a podcaster. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, and they were like, well, if it doesn't, if communication doesn't, um, basically this person does not communicate the best and whatever I say it's like bloop but it's 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 always been that person was always thinking that it was my fault for not communicating well no it's your fault for not listening but uh or (laughs) or we should not be ever talking to each other so I I that's hard that is hard and that's the only thing I, I really don't like for people. If they're immature and dating a therapist, even if they are a therapist and they're immature, I don't, that's some of the things that'll come up in an argument. Like, oh, you're a therapist. Oh, you're, you know, you're a social worker. You should, you work with a whole bunch of different people. How come you can't express to me? How come you can't, you know, you don't communicate that well. So they will kind of bring that up and make you feel, try to make you feel a certain type of way manipulate and that's what people fail to realize we're people outside of our nine to five we're awkward and quirky if we're awkward and quirky we may be the most bam how we say get fabulous type of therapist we doing the damn thing we we throwing them correct we throwing them them skills and strategies at you but once we clock out we're ourselves we're nerds that we might be nerds that read comic books and watch marvel movies or watch disney movies we might be gym rats it's always in the gym or something like that we may be the person at the at a social event that's way in the corner by themselves just talking to one person or no person like a wallflower but then you know when they're working with you as a as a client one-on-one they may be boom 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 so self-assured seem like they have it all going on but you also got to remember, these people are people. You know, they have their own set of issues that they shouldn't take into the therapy room. And therefore, you don't see that as a client. Or you may not see that as a working professional as you look at, you know, you're in your board meeting or your treatment team meetings and you're looking at, oh, look at LPC Chris, she's doing the damn thing, da, da, da. She got a podcast and all this stuff, you know, thinking, you know, you got all the checks and crossed off on your list of things to do your bucket list ain't nothing because you don't did it all you're saying you're trying to find new things to add to your bucket list unbeknownst to them that you over here suffering or not doing as well as you know you would you know that nine to five persona is our work persona is not our home persona our social persona our romantic persona attributes of it may show up in the workplace but that shouldn't be a representative of the workplace because that's our job think um yeah we are i mean for the most part the people that know me at at work would know kind of like i'm almost the same but they think that i'm very extroverted a lot of people think that i'm very extroverted but i think i ebb and flow between extrovert and introvert because there's times where i just want to be quiet and i don't want to deal with a lot of stuff there's times where i just need my peace um and I enjoy replenishing my energy by feeling that I need quietness or you know 
I might hang out with one or two people or my, my family and things like that because I get I get energy, I gain energy from my family, I gain energy from them and but you just I don't have to be out all the time. I'm not I'm not one of those persons, those people, even though I love to talk. Although that's very new in my life. That that came out in adult in adulthood. I used to be very quiet as a kid. So yeah, it it yeah, it I think it just ebbs and flows based on based on everything that's happening. Again, being a human, having human experiences. We can have those. Right. We have always feel like ministers should have life I mean have a life and struggle with stuff we struggle with stuff too and it's okay indeed it's all the attachments we paperclip to dating that prevents us from tasting the true nectar of human collisions instead we hold up shields blame get disappointed triggered react and of course in the process get hurt part of experience is that um, being hurt can definitely some people are, are they get hurt, they move on and they still present as if they've never been hurt and then there's other people that have been hurt and they move on but then they're really never the same um, and I am not really like well I wouldn't say I'm not like that I am open, but at the same time, I do know that boundaries are important, um, which I never, I never expressed those boundaries before. But then you do have people like I've been in relationships where not only do they have boundaries, but their boundaries are more on their openness, their heart, like they're not as giving anymore. And it takes a long time, if any time, if they decide to say, oh, I'm going to open up to this person or um, I'm just going to treat them as if they were my ex and I'm not going to even start out with a clean slate with them. I've been in those situations where I felt like uh, I felt like and I told them, I said, I feel like you are punishing me for what someone else did Mm. and that was my cue not to continue going along with him in that relationship but I just kept again back in the day I just kept you know kept going on thinking okay well he'll self if I tell him then he'll self-correct and be like oh you know I'm sorry I'll you know do better or you know I'll work on this but it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So. Dating can harden you. Dating can discourage you. Dating can make you feel shitty about yourself because people judge, people project, people don't communicate. People are scared and scared. People always punch first. Yeah. 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 It is. It is up to, with you saying that again, and I'm applying it, applying it to my own life, it is up to me to say whether or not I want this in my life. Like if they 
are able to self-correct or able to do some self-inventory and things of that nature, <sighs> then that'd be a good thing. But if not, <laughs> I don't think I'd like, hey, let you be fearful, let you be trigger happy by yourself. So those are those are some real life lessons. So for you, real life lessons in dating. What about your your story? Who? You. My story is, is a series of books. It's a it's an encyclopedia set. So I mean, <laughs> I'll just say many lessons have been learned. And I hope through these lessons that I take it all in and I grow as a person because dating, being in a relationship should be like growth soil and not should be deemed as a battlefield. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't take the baggage of previous relationships and apply to the current relationship. See, unfortunately, I hear way too closely to the love languages. And my love language, my primary, just happens to be gift. And I like to have things reciprocated. And unfortunately, if they're not reciprocated, it just causes me to have some animosity. I don't like to always have to give, 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 and then never receive. And that's not just in physical, that's not just in tangible things, but just in the essence of service, you know what I'm saying? You might have needed something, and I gave it to you. But then when I need something or I need support, I'm not getting it. I mean, I can see support as something as small as, I don't know, sharing a podcast post. That would be seen to me as, oh, that person supports me. Sharing a, one of the memes I put out, one of the quotes I put out, you know what I'm saying? Something as small as liking a post, you know what I'm saying? That would do give me something. To me, that's a gift, you know what I'm saying? And just having a, a gleeful or grateful heart when I am given to you. If you find yourself in a situation and I helped you alleviate that situation, please act in kind. You know what I'm saying? Please receive that gift as, you know, something that benefited you, not as an expectation. The only people I owe anything to in this world is in a way my clients, of course, but my, the children that I brought into this earth, you know? I don't owe anything to no one else. So act accordingly. That if I give it to you, it is a gift. If I give of me, that is a gift. My love language just happens to be gift. Secondary touch or secondary um, quality time. Close second, third is a touch. Um, Acts of servitude to some degree. But, you know, words of affirmation, eh, not so much. You know what I'm saying? Keep that. Your actions speak to me louder than anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in a new dating situation or about to date with somebody, do you give them that quiz? Or do you tell them this is my love language? Or do you wait? I'll be honest. I want to say that I've done the love language um, quiz in pretty much every relationship I've been in in the last, I don't know, 10 years. To some degree. Yeah. Discussed it at least in some detail. Yes, I would say yes. Okay, so when you are having this discussion, 
most times do the the person that you're dating do they know what you're talking about are they aware of what like, love languages are or do you have to be like oh this is a love language quiz and then have to explain it to a lot of people the only persons that I've dated in the last, I would say, 10 years, for the most part, are in the helping field. So, yeah, they have a, a relative knowledge of it, yes. Okay, okay. I am opposite. I have not dated anybody in the helping profession. So, it's almost like I have to start out from scratch and tell them what that is. They've never seen it before. Um, and some don't want to take it. And then I realize, oh, you don't want to take it. I, it's very simple. It takes... I mean, that's a great date activity. That's something fun to do on a date, I would think. As you're getting to know somebody, as you're learning somebody. I mean, you know, you could just go to the website or you can have a little colorful printout of it. It only takes, what, five minutes max, maybe? It's not that long. It's not that long. It's very telling. So I am that person that possibly immediately... I'll say, oh, what's your love language? Um, we take this quiz. Mine is uh, access service. And I forgot what my second one is, but I do know access service is my top. So, yeah. Um, some people take it. Some don't. But then I'm aware the ones that don't, I don't think I like them too much anyway. So, right. If you're not even willing to do a simple activity of a request, it's not even a daunting request. It don't take no time to do. It doesn't hurt you. It does give some aspect of your personality, but it doesn't show you who you are, are you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one <laughs> that asks about that. I think it's important. I'm like, hey, it's just my way of letting you know that I'm aware of what I what my needs are and then I want to be aware of what your needs are so and it just makes you feel loved and then you can do this and I say you know you can do this in every relationship a work relationship with your kids with your family it goes it runs the gamut as far as all of your relationships right like I do have different versions for people I supervise that way I know how best to supervise them yeah, yeah. What your communication stuff. I mean, it, it just really enhances your relationship. If we're going to be in each other's life, I, I just want to know. Because, again, it was not in my family system. Whatever communication styles or whatever somebody else like, that was not in my family system. We didn't talk about that. Now, you know, when it comes to parent-child, uh, everything is trial and error, of course. Relationships are trial and error, but at the same time it wasn't like, hey, what do you like? What do you want to see me do for you? What can you do? What can I do to support you? It wasn't like that. So I have to relearn and unlearn a lot of different stuff, and I do believe that's the reason why I don't have any children, uh, and I'm not married, because I believe, and I'm a spiritual person, so I believe that God give me time to be able to have the family that I want, you know, and that I've prayed for. And I wanted to be healthy because mine was not healthy whatsoever. Um, I had great, I have great parents. I've learned to be able to be old enough to appreciate them for their strengths and their love. But um, they, my parents didn't have a good relationship and that's just being real. So I don't want to repeat that ever for my own family.
So I know you're a bit researching. I know it. You know it. Or thinking of No, I'm just thinking. We find I think the pandemic was an interesting reset button or a button to allow you to pause and think and to grow or not, you know, or did did what it did. I know for myself, it basically allowed me to really analyze my place in the world and what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be, to be different, you know what I'm saying? To be better, you know, my whole concept is to be better, to be better than the day before, to overcome the sins of my past, to be a better person, to be a better benefit to those in this world who I serve and for myself, you know, as ultimately I have to serve myself. I mean, I hope to be compatible or, you know, be in a relationship that feeds my soul as I feed them, that I give to them as they give to me. They're there for me as I'm there for them, support me as I support them. You know, my whole philosophy in this world is Ubuntu. I am because we are. So I have to have the right people in my life that feed me in that way as I feed them in that way. We grow together, not apart. Hmm. You said some things that resonated with me. Um, the battlefield, the fertile grounds, um, and just learning and growing. And you're right about that. So I'll give you snaps for that, all of that. All right. Well, we discussed a lot of concepts regarding therapists and relationships. Before we go into your final words, tell us about your podcast. Share that, you know, a blurb about your podcast so people can get to know you, yeah. listen to your podcast, subscribe to your podcast. Because, I mean, one of them, I'm, I'm, prescri- I'm subscribed to both of them. One of them I don't listen to as much because I don't like to go to them dark places. Right. <laughs> The other one I find very interesting and very eclectic. Um, to get naked, that's my joint right there. The sibling, you know, I still I still have a lot of issues I deal with grief regarding my situation, regarding my brother. So you know I don't get I don't go to that one too much because, boy, you know what I'm saying I still got some unresolved grief issues going on. But anyways, in your own words, tell tell the listening audience about your podcast. So again, I have two podcasts. Uh, podcasts. Hashtag Get Naked Therapist is geared for mental health professionals, advocates, peers, fans alike. Um, and it, we're about to turn two years old in July. So I'm so excited about that. Uh, and I would say I created and birthed this because I had been in the field at that point for about 16 years starting out in case management, all that stuff, and then got licensed in 2020 uh, with LPC, MHSP in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, One, I need a creative outlet because in order for me to thrive in life, I have to be creative. I I just have to, or I feel choked. Um, But that was born because I know as a clinician, we have had to learn things outside of the classroom, uh, and I call it naked. It's G E T N E C K I D, 
therapist. I spell it that way because um, we do have to get naked. We have to be 100% truthful about the good, the bad, the ugly parts of this field because we love it, we're called to do it. Uh, but again, there's a lot of things we just did not learn in grad school or undergrad school. Uh, so we had to get naked, had to be truthful. Um, and then also while we are learning and trial and error and the pain and all of that stuff, we have to find what our niche is and what our ID is. So that's part of naked. Um, so that's what it is. I've had many guests on since since its inception, talking about from anywhere from building a private practice to um, crabs at, on your job. Do you have crabs on your job? Have a crab mentality uh, to protecting yourself on these jobs? Because a lot of times if you're on these jobs, especially nonprofit, you're not protected whatsoever, financially or even physically. Uh, we Some people out there know someone who has been killed on the job or harmed, injured on the job. Some people have been working in poverty. So just those type of situations, uh, some real conversations with therapists, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, whoever you are in the helping profession, uh, hashtag Get Naked Therapist is for your listening ears. So you can find that on anchor.fm, you can find it on Google, you can find it on Spotify, Amazon, you can tell Alexa, play hashtag Get Naked Therapist, and she'll play it. So yeah, that's that's one of them. Um, and then Blue, Mr. Blue here, said that um, the other podcast is Surviving Sibling Loss, the Forgotten Mourners podcast, which is on Spreaker. But again, you can find that on Google, Apple, Spotify, all of those streaming apps. But that was also uh, birthed from my experiences of being a sibling loss, um, a survivor of sibling loss since 1997, when I lost my older brother and my only brother to um, leukemia. Um, so that was like 20, 24, well, when I started, it was 23 years of my journey of grief and loss. And siblings are what we call forgotten mourners because people very rarely check on siblings to see how they're doing. So in my family system, my mother was the one that people were checking on. And she basically took up the air from out of any space in any room with her own grief. And nobody grieved around her. Nobody. It was just her. So um, it just goes through my journey. Um, Blue Felipe has been a guest on my uh, podcast for siblings. I appreciate him sharing his story and being transparent. It was it, it was a story that I've learned from talking to him has created a connection. Um, so yeah, those are my two podcasts. And you know, the best thing about the second podcast has been people reaching out from all over, from the United States to I have someone from in the Philippines, I have someone in Japan who has um, Facebook messaged me and said, hey. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your time. Thank you for explaining certain things to us. So I can listen to it in the nighttime, on the way to work, all of those things, and, and feel connected to another sibling because people around me just don't understand what I'm going through. So that has been the blessing for me for that. Um, 
so yeah, those are those are what I do. And uh, when I'm not on my day job, working with youth victims of crime. So uh, yeah, that's that's my two podcasts, and hopefully be able to grow throughout the years, and uh, be able to connect to a lot of you all who are therapists and and social workers and clinicians. So that's my feel. Indeed, indeed. We discovered a lot of topics today talking about relationships as it pertains to therapists. And that we're just people just like you, in some ways. We're helping professionals from nine to five usually, though our hats never truly come off. And, you know, the way we navigate the dating field is very similar to some of the way you navigate the dating field, but because of the way we think, our education, our experiences may cause us to have a different way of navigating it that doesn't always benefit us as a whole. Chris, any last words for the people as it pertains to relationships and therapists, etc.? I think just to continue to keep growing. Keep growing and, and realize that you have to be uncomfortable in relationships to learn and unlearn information about yourself and your partner. Uh, and be okay to be single sometimes. Just be okay to explore who you are as a person, especially after breaking up with someone, especially after, you know, after divorce or, you know, being a single parent, all of those things, just to identify what you want. Uh, advocate for yourself. Always advocate for yourself. People don't always present with the same heart as you. Um, they don't come from a fame nothing like that so I would say all of that wrapped up into a great bow um, to keep learning, keep growing learn yourself first to be able to learn other people and when you are settled in your spirit on yourself then you can actually love with your full and whole heart and that will be important for other people um, that you attach yourself to, no matter if it's romantic or if it's platonic or work, just love your full self so you can be open. And uh, and yeah, that's what my my last my last words are. Keep hope alive. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of the Modern Therapy Podcast, available in all streaming aggregates. A podcast you can listen to it wherever you want however you want and there's even if you don't even have internet connection there's a phone number you can dial and still listen to episodes that'll be available in the show notes so that's the more than therapy podcast where we have interviews and thoughts of the day and strategies to help you get on your way also don't forget to listen to and subscribe to lpc chris's podcast let's plug them one more time baby Get Naked Therapist and Surviving Sibling Loss of Forgotten Mourners podcast. Indeed. And that concludes this episode. Be well and be great.